As parts of the North Island struggle with the effects of Cyclone Gabrielle, English spin coach, former Black Cap Jeetan Patel, hopes the first test series might bring some smiles to those who need them. The Breakers basketball team is one win away from an NBL final spot. We start our road to the Rugby World Cup with Chiefs co-captain Brad Webber. In hockey, the Black Sticks are back in action in Wellington this weekend. And our current obsession, the Netflix show Physical 100. Kia ora, I'm Zoe George and this is The Podium, sports news but not as you know it from Stuff. Before we start, we have to acknowledge those who have been seriously impacted by Cyclone Gabrielle and parts of the North Island. Our thoughts in Aroha are with those who have lost loved ones, livelihoods and their homes. The first test between England and the Black Caps gets underway in Tauranga today. Someone keeping a watchful eye is New Zealand Ajitan Patel, but not for the Black Caps. Patel, who played for New Zealand for 11 years until 2017, has been England's spin bowling coach for two years and is one of three Kiwi coaches with the tourists. Kia ora, Jeetan. How are you? It's great to be on site. You're one of three Kiwis in the coaching staff. So what's Baz like giving a team talk to the English guys? Uh, Baz is really good. I mean, everyone who's worked with Baz and knows Baz from the inside can understand how much of a good bloke he is. I think that the one thing that he's brought to this group is uh, the reality of it all and just the realism of you're at the top of your game um, and how exciting that is and how the pressures that are are only external and you don't need to take that on board. And, and I think a lot of these guys look who deal with a lot of external pressure, um, whether it be media, whether it be family, whether it be friends, whether it be people you don't like, um, it's refreshing for them to be able to have that sort of influence from, from Brendan um, and that sort of leadership as well. And then we've obviously got Ben, who's probably one of the most fantastic leaders in the world, and he lives off that same, out of that same book as well, off that same code. So it's great to have two guys who are just willing to go and have some fun, and it makes my job easier and it makes the players' job easier as well. It's really interesting that they get paid to play. There is this expectation, I think, on athletes that if they get paid to play, then they get paid to win. <laughs> but that's not necessarily true, is it? It's not at all. I mean, at the end of the day, there's two teams, us and New Zealand, in this test match that are trying to win a game. And, and that's what people forget. It doesn't matter how good one team is or the other. There's both teams are trying to win. Um, and look, we've tried to take the win-lose out of it. Um, we've tried to turn it around to how we want to play the game and, and how we can entertain crowds. And I think in trying to do that, guys are pushing their boundaries with how far they can take the game um, and how far they can take their personal success. And look, it's it's producing some results at the moment and, and we're just going to keep wanting to, to run that, really. It is. And so what kind of intel on the New Zealand team are you giving the English team? Oh, look, I mean, Brent and I have played with these guys for a long time. Um, you know, he had a 20-odd year career and I had a very similar one domestically in New Zealand. So you see these guys day in, day out. And the beauty of the New Zealand team and why it's so tough to beat them here is they know the conditions so well. They're always preparing very well. They're very strong-minded with and clinical about how they go about things. And I think that speaks a lot for the New Zealand culture, in sport especially. When you get to New Zealand, it isn't the easiest tour because I think there are some great distractions. You know, like, I'm not going to lie, being a, being a tourist in New Zealand is so much more fun than being uh, someone who lives in New Zealand. So you just don't see the things that, you could be seeing, you you know, you pass it off as if I'll do it next week or I'll do it the week later or the next holiday. Again, the New Zealand team will be tough to beat. They know how to win here. Um, they know how each individual works within that team. They're under new leadership, which will be exciting for them. They've run into a little bit of a hiccup with obviously two bowlers missing, but 
uh, we know that the players coming in are just as good. Mm. Are they under strength? Are you worried? They're not under strength in any way whatsoever. I think the beauty of the New Zealand cricket setup is so many guys get exposed to the best players all the time. Um, the best v best, I suppose. So the guys that come in are, are used to those sort of pressures. It's just a spotlight of, of test cricket. Are we are we afraid? No. Are we excited? 100%. Um, we know that they're going to put up a great challenge in terms of on the park, but as long as we stick to the way we want to play the game, I think we'll walk away with a smile on our faces either way. Well, next week, uh, it's off to the Basin Reserve, your home ground, so you may get to have a few bowls in the nets. <laughs> uh, and so what kind of inside knowledge have you given? Because let's face it, the, the Basin Reserve is not the easiest ground to bowl on at the best of times. No, we need to keep a scope of where our feet are, so we're just worried about the mountain right now. Like We don't know what sort of wicket we're going to get with the weather that's been around, which has you know, affected so many people, and it's such a shame that, um, well, hopefully this test match can alleviate some of that, uh, some of that pressure and bring some smiles back to people's faces. So obviously you're out to win every game you play, but ultimately beyond that, that layer underneath is probably more more important to us about how we're going to put pressure on the opposition. Can we entertain the crowds that come in? Hopefully for guys to keep breaking records. Um, you know, we've, we've got broken so many records of recent, uh, it's hard to count. But for guys to keep pushing that boundary, it'll be really nice for someone to knock off Baz's 300 at the base and that'll be quite nice. Um, oh, that was epic. It was epic. I was there. It was epic. <laughs> it was epic, but he keeps talking about it. So it'll be nice for him to be knocked <laughs> off that. I think those small things mean a lot to this group and we celebrate them when we get them because tomorrow it could be all over. So let's have as much fun as while well we can. Well, Jason Patel, it's been wonderful to have you on the podium. Thank you so much. Um, best of luck for the series, and we'll see you in Wellington. Brilliant. Thank you so much. You can read all the latest from the series from our person on the ground, Ian Anderson, at stuff.co.nz. In basketball, the Breakers are just one win away from their first NBL Grand Final appearance in seven years after a comprehensive 20-point win over last year's finalists, the Tasmania Jack Jumpers. It's a bit of a mouthful, the Tasmania Jack Jumpers on the weekend. They head into their second of three playoff games tonight in Hobart. It's been a huge turnaround for the team from the last few years and someone who's had a close eye on the progress is Dylan Boucher, Chief Executive of Basketball New Zealand. Kia ora, Dylan. Welcome to the podium. Good, Zoe. Great to be on. So what kind of challenges uh, will the team be facing this evening? Obviously, they've, they've, got, some, they've got an uphill battle. Anytime you go into enemy ter- territory, it's always going to be a tough battle. But they've managed to secure the home win, which gives them that one, one game advantage. And, you know, they want to go and finish the business in Australia. So as much as they want to come home and probably play a third game in front of a, a full house. They'd rather get the second one under their belt and, and lock in those uh, that NBL finals berth. Yeah, I mean, the poor breakers have had a bit of a rough time with flight times and weather and, you know, the last couple of years they were based in Australia. How has this affected the team? Yeah, I imagine it's uh, it's been pretty tough and I know they've had the injury struggles throughout the season as well and they've still managed to obviously finish up the top of the table, which is what you want to do, but you know, every team probably right now in the playoffs is battling those injuries, so they're no different to every other team. But obviously, any time you've got international flights and you've had disruptions, obviously the last two years of throughout COVID, they've had to base themselves in Australia and, and the results didn't go their way. Now they're able to base themselves at home. Um, obviously, it's uh, it's been a lot better for them, although their home record hasn't been great. But on the road, they've managed to be able to get the job done. So it's interesting that when you have the comforts of home now going away for one game or two game on, on, in a row, 
is a lot more palatable than living and playing every game as an away game. That is so tough. All right, it's the second of three games. Who are going to be the game makers for you for the second game? Yeah, obviously a lot of uh, a lot of their scoring comes from Barry Brown Jr. Um, who's carrying a hand injury at the moment, and you know he was solid in the last game. But I I truly believe. It's always spearheaded by defence, and I think, you know, Tom Abercrombie showed his class on defence, you know, hounding their best players, and, and Isaiah Leaf, I thought, came in and did a great job off the bench defensively as well, and just disrupting what they were doing. I think this Breakers team is a true team outfit, um, and they, they win as a team, and no one individual is going to probably be the single person carrying this team. I think it's going to be a team effort that gets them across the line. I mean, you've spent a whole lot of time with the Breakers over the years. How big of an achievement is it, the fact they've made it to the playoffs, first time in five years, eyeing up a final spot, first time in seven? That's got to be massive. Yeah, it's huge. It's huge for the country. I mean, for me being the CEO of Basketball New Zealand, it's massive for us to be able to get um, basketball back in the spotlight in the NBL. Obviously, the as you say, there's been a long time before this team has been in the playoffs, so having uh, the breakers in the playoffs where the public expect the, the, the breakers to be. I mean, it's, it's interesting when you have success um, at a certain level, the, the public expectation, expectation is that you are in the playoffs every year and there has been a bit of a hiatus. So this year um, I've noticed, you know, there's a lot more people talking to me about the breakers on the general public on the street and things like that. So they have captured the country's attention again and hopefully they can go and, like I say, secure the second win over in Australia and get through the semi-finals and, and book that uh, that final berth and be able to have some resting time where they can rest some tired bodies and, and prepare for the finals. We have to talk about LeBron James, highest ever point scorer in the NBA, more than 38,000 points, knocking off that nearly four-decade de- record. Um, is he the GOAT? I'm probably the wrong era to be asking if he's the GOAT. If you <laughs> ask my son, he'd say yes. If you ask my era, Michael Jordan probably still is the GOAT. Um Hard to go past LeBron as the best all-round player, though, that, that has been able to do um, everything on a basketball court. How do you judge the GOAT? It's always a personal opinion, obviously. Uh, for me, Michael Jordan is still the GOAT, but what LeBron's been able to achieve and the role model that he's been along the way is second to none. You know, I think he's a guy that, you know, if you were going to say, kids, we want you to play like it, so you want you to play like LeBron James because he can do everything on a basketball court. And for those who may not be familiar with the term GOAT, it stands for greatest of all time. Well, thanks so much, Dylan. Bring it on the Breakers. It's going to be a cracker of a game. And, uh, yeah, go the Breakers. All Black halfback and Māori All Black co-captain Brad Webber was late last week named as co-captain for the Chiefs Super Rugby team in what is set to be a massive year, particularly as we head towards the Rugby World Cup in France in September and October, which will be Webber's second for the ABs. The 32-year-old number nine is deep in the pre-season with the Chiefs with their first game against the Blues on Friday in Pukekohe. That follows a, quote, game of three halves between Super Opiki teams Chiefs Minoa, Blues and the Waratahs. Kilda Brad, welcome to the podium. Kilda, thanks for having me, Zoe. Do you reckon you're, you know, the the stereotypical number nine? Most of them are a bit of a chatter and a bit sprightly around the back. Yeah, I think deep down I am. <laughs> I'll probably try try not to be like that. But I love the mental side again, like getting stuck into guys and having a bit of a, a laugh on the field. If I can get stuck into one of the opposition and. And I know that I'm fast enough to run away from the, most of those big guys, so I can get away with it. So we're heading into preseason, which is great, and it's a huge year for the Chiefs, well, for every team, as players jostle for position and uh, in the All Blacks. What's the goals for you for the Chiefs this year? I suppose it's it'd be quite obvious, but I, I want to win Super Rugby. I've 
this is my 10th Super Rugby season and I haven't won um, a Super Rugby competition. I come in in 2014 with the Chiefs off the back of um, back-to-back championships in 2012 and 2013. And those guys had won two and um, I was coming in hoping to be part of the next one. And I've just been chasing it ever since. We've been close a couple of times, particularly uh, our semi-final last year against the Crusaders and then the, fi- the final the year before. So if we're going to do it, this is going to be the year, I, I-, I feel. Yeah, well, you've got so much experience there um, as well. Okay, big question. I think you know what I'm going to ask, but there's been a whole lot of chatter about the All Blacks coach recently. Uh, and this week, Sam Kane has said that the All Blacks don't need any more distractions right now. So how is all of this talk impacting you? Is it having an impact on you? Yeah, look, to be honest, I... I... I can't really um, afford to worry about that sort of thing because last year I didn't even get picked for the All Blacks until there was an injury. So if I start worrying about who the coach is or what's going going to happen in 2024, then you know I might. I, I found out the hard way that even though if, if you're playing well, your position's not always guaranteed in the All Blacks. So look. <laughs> Obviously, there's a lot of things going on for a lot of people in that regard, and I feel for them. But I've got to look after number one, and that's me, and like just focus on playing well to try and make the World Cup. I want to play in the World Cup, and so all that bullshit that's going on in the media, I just got to tune out and look. Let them take care of it. It's way above my pay grade. <laughs> I'll just focus on what I'm good at. So and try and play my best rugby because. Well, it could be my last year here. So if, if that is the case, then you know, I want to have the best year possible. <laughs> um, so we are, how far out from the Rugby World Cup are we? We're like six months um, out from the Rugby World Cup. And last year was really tough, wasn't it, for, for the team? And, and, you know, you came into that team sort of near the end of the season. How are you feeling and how's everyone feeling? It Are you optimistic about this year? Yeah, big time. I mean, it's funny because... Obviously, New Zealanders are so used to us being the best and winning every single game. And going to the World Cup in 2019, we had a pretty good run those four years. We looked pretty sharp and were probably the favourites and lost. Whereas South Africa, we're probably on a similar trajectory in those four years that we're on. And they timed their run to perfection and won the whole thing. So I feel like we've definitely got the group of players to to win it and I feel like we might be timing our Yeah, you've got really a slightly well. different build-up to the Rugby World Cup compared to the Six Nations. You know, we've got Rugby Championship and you don't actually have that many games. Is it concerning? No. That's the same as every year. <laughs> I don't know. You know, it's... So, sorry, mum. <laughs> Hi, Puss. What's the cat's name? Uh, her name is Barbs. Oh, hey, Barbs. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of, um like, old people's names for pets. I just, for some reason, like, I love it, like Bruce. It is part of the show. Um, so back to rugby. Do you have fun when you play for the All Blacks? Is it fun? It's fun when you win. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, rugby is fun for me, but at that level, like the pressure, the outside pressure that you feel is enormous. Like it's a bit different from when I used to play club rugby compared to when I play for the All Blacks. You know, I think it is it is still fun. Yeah, but when, when you win. <laughs> Brad was so much fun to talk to. We are posting a bonus episode on Monday. Download and have a listen, and you can read more in this weekend's Sunday Star Times. 
If you don't have time to read the in-depth stories or you just prefer to listen instead, The Long Read From Stuff is the podcast for you. Each week we showcase one of our excellent pieces of journalism, telling important or entertaining stories from the world of crime, sport, history, culture and more. You'll also get to hear from the journalists themselves about how they uncovered the story and how it came to life. So, for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read, subscribe to The Long Read From Stuff wherever you get your podcasts. Here's what else is making headlines. The Halberg Awards were on Wednesday night. Snowboarder Zoe Sadowski-Sinnott won the Supreme Award and Sportswoman of the Year after her incredible gold medal performance at last year's Winter Olympics. And teammate Nico Porteous won Sportsman of the Year and Winter Paralympics gold medalist Corey Peters won Para-Athlete of the Year. And of course the Black Ferns won Team of the Year and Coach Wayne Smith Coach of the Year after their Rugby World Cup win. The rain hasn't impacted grounds for the FIFA Women's Football World Cup playoff tournament, which is still going ahead in Hamilton and North Harbour this weekend. You can catch the Football Ferns on Friday at Waikato Stadium against Portugal and then on Monday against Argentina. The Rowing National Championships are underway at Lake Rua Tanifa in the South Island, with final racing happening on Saturday. And the New Zealand women's ice hockey team start their Division 3 World Championships early next week in South Africa. Best of luck. The Black Sticks are back in action this weekend and next at the National Hockey Stadium in Wellington in a tri-series with China and the USA. Among the Black Sticks is 28-year-old defender Liz Thompson who is returning from a serious injury and will play her 200th game for the team this weekend. Well, Liz, welcome to the podium. 200 tests. Congratulations. Thank you. When did you make your debut? Uh, Back in 2013, I made my debut here in Stratford against Australia. Wow, so you would have been quite a young, you would have been about 18. 18, yeah, 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 which is pretty crazy (laughs) to think now. I feel like it's gone super fast, but... I have kind of been doing it for a while now. Yeah, I mean, you're kind of, it's not the most games that a New Zealand woman has played for New Zealand, but you're, you're getting up there. Mm. Yeah, yeah, there's a, a few impressive people ahead of me um, on the, the caps list, but um, yeah, lucky to have played alongside a few of them, which is pretty cool. So you're back for this uh, tri-series between China and the US. How important is this tri-series? Due to COVID and everything like that, we are now... Getting back into pro league, we've missed out on the last season of that, obviously due to our travel restrictions. So for us, it's sort of making sure that we're getting back into the swing of things, back into international hockey. And I mean, for us, we're sort of like a no excuses team. We have been out for a while, but this is a a good time for us to get stuck in, see where we're at, but also to really compete against two really quality sides. Um, And yeah, I mean, the Olympics is just around the corner again, you know, which is kind of crazy to think given the delay um, with the last one. But yeah, you kind of have to start thinking about that now. Yeah, we're only 18 months out, not even 18 months out from Paris, which is mm-hmm. what an amazing spot. So I bet you're gunning for a spot there. Mm-hmm. Don't want to miss out on that. But, you know, with this series, New Zealand's ranked the highest out of the two teams. NZ's ranked ninth, China 10th, USA 16th. Mm-hmm. So can you bring the series home? Definitely. I think that's a really good belief we have um, within our group. And what's quite exciting now about international hockey is all nations are sort of improving and on any given day anyone can really compete and beat any other team. I definitely believe that. So I think 
while we know that we're in with a good shot to take home the series and that's the aim, um, we know that the opposition are going to be really, really competitive, very strong. And again, it's just that unknown factor um, because international hockey probably hasn't had as much of a um, calendar lately due to COVID and stuff. So, yeah. Hello, James Crute, Stuff TV reviewer and sports fan. How are you? <laughs> I'm good, thanks, Zoe. How are you? Okay. Okay, I'm good, but we have to talk about Physical 100, one of the most watched TV shows in New Zealand right now. I am totally obsessed. But for those who haven't seen it, what is it? Yeah, look, it kind of came out of the blue. And in fact, I only stumbled onto it because I read a Guardian article about it and then saw that it was number one in New Zealand and went, what the heck? <laughs> um, but it's basically, I don't know, it's kind of a cross between like a sort of celebrity ninja warrior meets... The Crystal Maze meets Clash of the Codes, if anyone can remember that series from way back. It brings together 100 Korean, mainly athletes, but there are a few influences and a few odd bods, bods being the operative word here, of all sort of different physical shapes and sizes to compete in a kind of Squid Game style tournament. Um it moves at a kind of leisurely pace. You have to be aware of this. The first half an hour was basically everybody meeting each other in like the scariest Les Mills uh, unisex locker room you've ever seen. And they had to find the bust that, you know, represented their bust and other areas, um, complete with sports bras in the women's case, which was kind of interesting. And, and they sort of all... Uh, swap stories and jocularity about it but the bit I particularly loved was that the guy that everybody seemed to be scared of was a car dealer (laughs) (laughs) everybody oh so exciting but I mean I think it kind of showcases the depth and breadth of Korean sporting talent I mean you know we only see a small part I'd forgotten that uh, one of the main Olympic gymnasts in 2012 was from Korea who won a gold medal he's there there's also a a military sniper by the name of Agent H of course uh, there's compulsory military service as anyone who's been following K-pop will be aware of it's it's super focused on bodies and body types and body shapes I mean for you is this a positive thing Yeah, that's a good question. I think probably that it showcases the wide range of bodies. Look, they're all, uh, they're all buff looking in different ways. So they're all, you know, particular muscles they've clearly each focused on. And there are some that are just, you could never achieve, you know, no matter how many hours in the gym. But there are also people who did look sort of slightly more out of shape. We won't give any spoilers. Um, I mean, this also features men and women, and the women are incredibly kick-ass. They are amazing. One of the things that I love so much about this show, though, is the camaraderie. They are so nice to each other. Yes, yes. And some of them look like they've escaped from, you know, they look like the villains from Con Air or something like that. (laughs) And yet they're as nice as pie and sweet to one another. But they also weren't afraid to cross those kind of gender bounds. You know, one guy thought he would take on one of the women and, and genuinely thought it would be a great contest. You know, they're looking for the best contest, but you never know because you don't exactly know how the task is going to turn out. Well, I'm looking forward to getting stuck into it uh, more on this weekend. But thank you so much, James. And bring on the FIFA Football World Cup. I know you're a huge football fan. 
Yes, looking forward <laughs> to the games this weekend and can't wait for the Netherlands to clean up in oh, August. <laughs> it's going to be spectacular. Thank you so much, James. No worries. And that's The Podium. I'm Zoe George, and on behalf of our guests this week, producer John O'Williams and Philippa Tolley, and audio editor Connor Scott, thanks for listening. You can get in touch with us now. Email thepodium at stuff.co.nz and make sure you follow and like The Podium wherever you get your podcast from so you don't miss an episode, including our bonus episode on Monday with All Black Brad Weber. Until next week, kakete anō, go well. I think you're conflating a whole bunch of issues. You don't want to be held to account well, no, on I, I, rising child no, abuse numbers. You can manipulate crime statistics. I, I promised I wouldn't have a tattoo about gotcha journalism. Hang into the National Party's no, attack line there. No, that, I what, think Chris, that it would be a resignation offence if I didn't deliver tax reduction. Yeah, we're, I'm not worried about it at all. That's Nothing iffy in there. That sits with you perfectly fine. That's what, we're, that's what we're focused on. Whatever happens in politics, the weird, the wonderful, the important, the thought-provoking, we got you. Listen to Tova wherever you get your podcasts.